Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey. It's a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experiences of freelancers. And today we've got Tammy Coker on here, a new member at Waxbase down here in Oak Cliff. I got to see him at a at a Texas talk a few uh, weeks back. It was actually Waxbase's first Texas talk, which. Uh, you ought to check out uh, similar and in some ways to the podcast here, but it's just kind of like conversations with creative people um, that wax space hosts and puts on similar in some ways to like a creative mornings or a Ted talk or just kind of a uh, forum presentation. Um, But that's how I met Tammy. I saw him on uh, give a Texas talk and I really enjoyed hearing his story. And so I wanted to kind of bring him on here so y'all could hear that and uh, we could learn a little bit more about that. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, dude. Um, So can you kind of introduce yourself and and give us a little bit of your story and help us understand where your background is? Yeah. um, My name is Tammy Coker. I am photographer and graphic designer my wife and i run coker studio here in dallas texas and um it's been awesome so far (laughs) you know um i had to take that leap to just work for myself um, which i'm still learning um but yeah no all of this started um in college so before college i came to america 2004 so i was around 12 years old and I've always been a musician since I, since I can remember. Um, I play the keyboard, or I call it keys, but <laughs> uh, I play the keys. And um, I wanted to study music um, by the end of high school. And my parents were like, you don't need to go to school to study music. I was like, no, UNT is a great place. There's so many um, music classes and people that graduate from UNT and they're doing amazing stuff in music. And my dad was like, you don't have to go to school to study to study music. And so I, he was like, pick something else. And the other thing was like biomedical engineering, which was like what I never wanted to study or do, but I wanted to do, I did it to make my parents happy. So I picked biomedical engineering um, because I saw like robotic arms and I was like, oh, that seems cool. <laughs> so yeah, it's really dumb. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> um, but I kind of felt pressure to like pick something and um, so, yeah, I picked biomedical engineering, went to college. Two years in, I was like, hell no, this is not what I want to do. I wasn't doing that great in science. Um, there was just so many terminologies. I was like, I don't care about this stuff. And so, um, so yeah, I went back home. I remember it was, it was like December and I went to talk to my my dad and I was like, look, I can't do this. I'm going to switch my major. He was like, why are you switching? This is what you picked. You can't, you, we brought you to America. You can't just go to college and start jumping around majors. You need to know what you want to study. And I said, yeah, but I only did the biomedical engineering to make you guys happy. He was like, well, you picked it. And I was like, I know, cause you didn't want me to do music, <laughs> you know? And so, um, got to a point where I was like, look, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to switch. And my parents were not happy. My dad was definitely not happy. My mom, she was not happy either, but she was just like, it's kind of like your life, you know? Um, but she was trying to be respectful of my dad's like thoughts of what he thought about me switching my major. And yeah, so December 11 was the first time I picked up a camera. People kept telling me I had an eye or whatever. This is when like the iPhone 3G or 3GS was out. And I would take iPhone pictures. My friends were like, oh, you have an eye. 
And so I eventually went to get um, a camera. I got the Nikon D3100. And it was $365, I believe. And I had $370. So I had $5 left, but I was so happy. And that was the same month in December where I switched my major. And the next semester I picked, I picked a music class just for fun. Then I picked like classes that had to do with um, digital media, which was the new major I was picking. And digital media had like photography, graphic design, videography, web, and print. And so I kind of wanted to be the person that kind of dabbled in a little bit of those or had like two great things that he was good at, which of course now is photography and design. But back then it was just like photography and maybe video. And this is when they had Adobe Muse. This is when Adobe Muse was like popular. So that's what we used to make websites. And um, yeah, my GPA went up. I had like a 3.7 that first semester compared to like the previous where I had like a... 2.8 wow it's quite, right. a, it's yeah. quite a difference and people were like oh you, you're just taking an easy class i was like no i'm doing something i love yeah you know? it makes a big difference yeah it makes a big difference and so ended up taking summer school and doing all this stuff to try to still graduate within that that four-year range um and i did and i graduated with um summa cum laude and um yeah i was happy i got a bachelor's of science in digital media and moved back home and uh, worked at a church as a graphic designer for a few months. And I was like, I need to find something else. And so um, my old high school was, um, there was a position to be um, a teacher for photography and graphic design. And so I was 21 when I first applied. And they were like, ah, you're kind of young. They didn't say it like that. They were like, uh, it's not a no, it's just a not yet. You know, uh, I was yeah. like, yeah, it's because okay. I'm 21. I was, li I literally walked into the interview like three months after I had graduated college. And I graduated college at 21. And I came out, oh, yeah, I came into college at 17. I graduated at 21. Yeah, four years. And I turned 22. Yeah, I turned 22 and then um, applied again. And when I came in, the principal was like, why are you, why are you all dressed? Like, you know, we want you. It's just, we just said it wasn't, it was just a not yet. So I came in, they're like, okay, we'll give you two weeks to sub. So I subbed for a class for two weeks. And then she said that the kids said they really liked me and that I was doing good. And so she offered the job. But now I had to go take my, um, my um, test like teaching certification yeah, teaching, or whatever it is. Yeah, certification, exactly. And I had a week. Now, was that here in the United States or is that back home? That was here. Okay. Yeah. So this is like 2015 where I had to go get my teaching certification. And so I subbed for like two weeks or three weeks. And then the next week she was like, hey, we want to hire you, but you need to get your teaching certification. And the, the test was next week. So I was scared. I was scrambling around. And I was already in like a class already to get my certification, but I just didn't know I was going to have, I didn't know I had to take it like right then and there. So, um, so yeah, I took it, passed. I studied the wrong thing, which is hilarious. You still managed to pass it. Yeah. I, I was studying like, I mean, there's, was there's two tests. There's like the, um, there's the pedagogy, which is like the last test. And then there's the test that just talks about your subject. 
So I was studying for the pedagogy and I wasn't studying for like the main test. For that specific course. Yeah. Gotcha. The pedagogy is like more broad. kind of. Yeah. It's based on like a perfect world, perfect um, classroom. So questions like if, if you have a student that, if you have a class and you want them to learn about Africa, do you read a book to them? Do you have them all read a book or do you guys take a trip to Africa? And the answer is like, take a trip to Africa. That's the kind of test that was. Whereas the, the test about the subjects was like, what are the primary colors in graphic design? What What is, what are the graphic design elements and stuff like that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, so I passed it and I got hired and I taught for three years. And then on my third year, I finished. But then I got into the Adobe Creative Residency. I applied for that. Just like, I only applied because my wife told me to. She was like, you probably, you can, you can do it. Just apply. If you don't get it, you're, you still have a full-time job. If you do, then you go work with Adobe, you know? And so um, this was 2018 and I started teaching 2015. And so 2018, like maybe April. Yeah. I got the call from Adobe and was like, Hey, you got the position. And this was after like two interviews. Like, hey, we want to offer you to be uh, one of the Adobe Creative Residents for the 2018, 2019 year. I was like, oh my gosh. And um, yeah, so that was a whole year thing. And the Adobe Creative Residency is pretty much a program that Adobe sponsors um, for creatives to help them kind of have like a creative um, career starter, kind of like. Adobe boosts you to try to help you get to where you need to be in your creative career. Yeah, kind of they see the potential. Yeah. And they're like, all right, hey, we're going to kind of give you some, like, we're going to back you to get you going. Yeah. It's so cool. think, think about, like, not having to work for a whole year. You just work on your project. Because they pay in you. Because you're paying you already paying pay your salary and health insurance. Wow. And of course, you have to do some stuff for Adobe. So I did, like, I did, I got, I got picked to do the designs for Adobe Max. Um, I did some, I did some, um, some stuff with uh, the Lightroom team. I did some stuff with the Adobe Photoshop team. And that connection is still there even after the residency. And so right now, like next month, I'm going to teach a class at Adobe Max, which is like a big upgrade from last year. Last year, I got to teach like 30 minutes. This year, I got I get to teach four classes for an hour and 30 minutes each. Wow. Yeah. And so... It was supposed to be three, but they said the third class got full, so they had to open up a fourth one, which is like, okay, awesome. So, so with the, when you mentioned you're working on like the Lightroom, the Photoshop team, it was like the graphics and the illustrations and stuff you see whenever you open the software. Is that work done by creative residents? No, some of them are like people that Adobe licenses their work or okay. says, hey, can you make something for that? Because one of, one of the, one of the girls that um, I met and, um, I love her work. Her name is Flora. Yeah, her name is Flora. I forgot her last name, Boris or something. And she's the one that created like the 2018-2019 Photoshop splash page. I think it's still up right now. Um, and my other friend, Curvin, he's the one that did the illustration Illustrator um, cover. So whenever you open up Illustrator, his work is there. That's so I cool, want to get there. Yeah, that's so sick, dude. It's I feel like that kind of stuff goes so like 
doesn't get appreciated or get noticed as yeah. much. And, and I mean, even now as you're talking about it, I'm thinking back, I was like, yeah, I've seen them, yeah. but I haven't taken enough look at them to go like, to be able to tell you like, Oh, that's what the, the Photoshop one is this or right. like, Oh, I remember when it switched over. Like I don't look at them that close, but, um, if you ever take a chance to look at them, like there's some really intricate, really beautiful work. Yeah. And, and I think it's cool the way it kind of ties in a little bit with whatever the software is a little exactly. bit too. That's what I love about it. Yeah. I'm kind of confused on the InDesign one because InDesign looks like they use paint and I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe, I mean, the person might have used in, uh, InDesign for that, but yeah, like. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Yeah. I can't you, comment you, on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you open it, it's like just random, um, but it's it's good work, but I was just like, but I kind of get it because InDesign is like publishing, so it's like, are you going to have a book cover? Yeah, <laughs> the thing? Little, it feels a little more of a, I don't know if sterile is the right word. Yeah. But more of a like posh, sterile kind of. Calculated uh, software. Yeah, that yeah, just yeah. makes everything look clean. Um, but I, I still like it. Like I, I think it's dope. But yeah, if you have a chance, just like have your screenshot ready on your phone. And I mean, not on your phone, on your laptop. And when you open up Photoshop, just take a screenshot or record it and pause it. And you'll see the artwork. Um, but yeah, because I remember I was sitting next to her when they showed her work on the screen at Adobe Max. And I was like, I saw it and I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. And then when they launched the new update for Photoshop, they announced it and her picture was there. And I was looking at her like, oh my gosh. She's <laughs> like, yeah. So this whole time she knew about it, but she just, just couldn't she talk just, about it. It was oh an NDA. Man. Yeah. So, that would be hard to do, I feel like. Oh yeah. It I I was I was um the like the Photoshop team had like um, a beta testing before even the pre-release. And so we had to like work on the stuff and give feedback and all of that. And we just had to sign an NDA. So for like six to eight months, we couldn't talk about it. Man. And so at Adobe Max was when they like said, hey, Photoshop on the iPad is coming out. And you can talk about stuff now. Yeah, I can, I can talk about stuff now, but I can't like give all the details. But I mean, I'm teaching a class on it, so I figure more than likely it's launching very soon. Okay. So I'm really excited for it. I, I still have it. I still use it. Um, I even had to use it to make something for the class that I'm teaching. That's cool, man. Yeah. I'm it's, looking it's forward pretty, to seeing it. It's, it's I hear powerful. it's pretty sick. Yeah. Is there any potential NDAs out there floating out there uh, regarding Tammy Coker artwork coming on a splash page? Oh, I no, I so far they haven't <laughs> contacted me, but that's like one of my hopes. I was telling my wife that like last week, like I pray one day that Adobe calls me and says, Hey, because the one that my friend did, they just licensed it. And it's crazy because he just did it for fun. He, he wasn't specifically for them mm -hmm. for that, but it fit well enough, I guess, yep. if they were doing it. Did. It, had, it. it had the colors, everything. I don't think he even had to change anything. Wow. Like he, I remember he was telling me, he said he just went outside one day and just started drawing. And then he just put it on Behance or something or Instagram. And I guess they saw it and were like, yo, can we license this? So are they like, is he hashtagging it or something? Or how do they even? No. I'm, I mean, I, I guess mean, if it's on Behance, well, it makes sense. He's done some work. So he's, he's been on Adobe Live. He's done, Okay. So he has a relationship, yeah. pre-existing relationship with yeah. Adobe already. So yeah. they're already on his, he's already on the radar. Kind yeah. Of. Okay. That makes sense. So like, but, but I know uh, like Adobe licensed one of my images to use as, as an ad during the residency, which is like pretty awesome. 
because then they also gave me credit, which was like amazing. Yeah. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so it was like, it was really good. Um, they didn't have to do that, but they did. And people were screenshotting and sending it to me. It was like one of the, you know, I usually do like humans and fishes or whatever. And I made something like that and they really liked it. And it just kept going. Like I used, I even started to see it. My wife started to see it. My old students started to see it. And it was just <laughs> like, it's like awesome to see that. So hopefully I think I'm heading towards the right direction. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully one day, like they'll be like, yo, can we license this? And I'll be like, yes. <laughs> I promise when, when that happens, I'm going to have a shirt. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm going to tattoo it on my butt. I don't know. I will Find be a like, way to commemorate it. Yeah. Big. Like that's one of the biggest honors I feel like. Um, and I think, I mean, it's always also an honor to be able to work with Adobe on some other stuff, but also like Adobe Creative uh, Residency to be picked. It was only four from the US and three from Europe they picked that year. And I was the only African-American person. Um, and now they, they just got their first two Latino um, people um, for the residency. There was no black person this year. So a lot of people were like really mad about that. And so I talked with Adobe and my other friends did who were, who got into the residency as well and they were African-American. So we were all CC'd and they were just like, hey, how can we do a better job next year? Um, how can we reach the... African-American community, how can we reach minority community? What organizations can we go out to and talk um, about the residency to? And so um, Adobe has always had that in mind. I think last year it was just, it just happened. Like a coincidence, like there wasn't like they were intentionally necessarily. Yeah, because the process is like, it, the process is like you write your stuff and they almost have to like bid for you to everybody else and then people vote. Okay. Right. And so if your project is not well written, then it's like, they can't even vouch for you at the thing. So I, I wonder though, because I had I had some I had a friend that had the same project as one of the residents right now, but the other guy got picked, which is which is fine. You know that's right. that's how life works. Right, right. You know? um, but yeah, so I was talking to the manager like last week, and it was just like figuring out ways to stand out because a lot of people that pitch their Adobe residency stuff to Adobe or like, you know, I just want to photograph my grandma for the next year and document her growth. You know, it's like, yeah. versus, hey, I want, to, I, I want to do a project that focuses on um, old age. That's, one, that's what one of the residents did and she gathered stories. I mean, she would record and talk with them for like three hours and then pick a quote from that conversation and she did a big photo shoot and, um, not a big photo. She did a big exhibition at the end of the residency. And it was like, like the images of the people were so big. And then next to them was like a writing about what they've learned or something that you can learn from their history, um, which was like awesome. And um, yeah. And so it was like, her idea was different. Um, and if someone had like, oh, I want to take pictures of my grandma versus, well, I want to take pictures of old um, women in America and dress them up and make them look like they did when they were 20. Yeah. Know? Like it's almost just kind of taken, like yeah. it's not that the photographing grandma is a bad idea. It's just like, take that a step further. Exactly. Go a little bit wider right. and go a little bit beyond just like, oh, I want to take photos of my grandma. Yeah. Cause the thing is you have to be community minded. So even for me, when I got into residency, like I started making tutorials of how I did my stuff. I started making posters 
I started doing Instagram live. I started making um, posters of people who followed me or people who were interested. And it was just like being community minded was like a big thing um, for me and for Adobe and me having a teaching background. That was just like a no brainer. Yeah. And through that, I got a call from Skillshare to start a class. Um, and so they flew me out to New York and um, we shot a class and the class launched in August. And it's they said it was one of like the best classes they've had in a long time, which was like an honor to hear because I used to watch Skillshare when I was in college. So it was like crazy how this. It's like whole, full circle yeah, coming around. Because that was another thing on my checklist. I was like, look, I need to, and to get in Skillshare. I was already going to start a class after the residency. I bought a mic and everything. And then they were like, hey. Like you were just going to make your own Skillshare. Yeah, I was going to make my own Skillshare own. class. Yeah. I'm still going to. Um, but yeah, they were just like, um, we want to fly out to LA and we want you to do a project and we will shoot it and we'll take care of everything else. And so we planned for like three months on how to go about with it, the structure and everything. And then we shot, took a whole day. Then it took about three, four months. And then once it was out, I was on their front page. I was on the email list. I was on Instagram. And so the class did really good. Wow, man. Yeah. So I, I've noticed that you, like you have a pretty substantial following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I haven't checked your other social platforms. I don't know if there's like that other places. What, where did the, where did that come from? Was it just a mix of the Adobe stuff or the Skillshare or is it that it happened before that or what's. Yeah, it, it, it happened before that kind of. Um, so 2014, I went back to Nigeria, which is where I was born and raised. And I went to document Nigeria and document my grandma's birthday. Her birthday is the day before mine. So I went there just to document and educate my followers. I think I had 3,000 followers at the time. I just wanted to educate my followers and tell them like, hey, Nigeria is not what you saw on Discovery Channel, right? So this is my first time going back to Nigeria as a photographer. And so I wanted to make sure I educated people on how beautiful Nigeria was, despite the lack of resources that we have sometimes. And um, so, yeah, I made a hashtag called Tammy X Nigeria. So the X came from like South by Southwest. Right. So, so it's Tammy by Nigeria. And um, I was I had the hashtag is still on Instagram if you want to check it out. And I just posted and I talked about what, what I saw, what I liked and educating people. And so 2015 comes around and there's a weekend hashtag project called like, what is your, what's your new year resolution? It's like, man, I want to document like Nigerian immigrants or African immigrants who come from Africa to the United States and just document that and the culture or whatever. And so one of the um, editors on Instagram saw it and so there was, a, there, was a, there was an event called One by One, Texas. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. I was uh, picked to have my work shown there. And I think it was in Austin. So I went to Austin and this guy named Jeffrey Garrison, who was working at Instagram at the time, um, was like, hey, I want to talk to you. So we've kind of followed each other for a while, but I just never really thought anything about it. Um, and so he... He was like, hey, I want, uh, let's have breakfast on Sunday. So Sunday morning comes around after the event and 
She's like, hey, well, we saw your team by Nigeria stuff and we saw you need a resolution and we really feel like you have a voice and you're trying to say something about your country and we really love what we saw and we want to interview you potentially to have you featured on Instagram. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And so um, interviewed and he was like, it's not guaranteed because we have to go through all of the editors and the head editor has to say like, okay, let's do this. So it was like, it's just, it, it might work, it might not. So don't get your hopes up. And I was like, okay, yeah, understood. So this was around like maybe January, February. March c comes along, like March ending. And he, he calls me because we exchanged numbers that day. And he was like, hey, um, where do you say you live at again? I was like, um, I live in Arlington, Texas. It's like, okay, thank you. And they hung up. And then um, next day was April Fool's. <laughs> next was April Fool's I'm teaching so this is like when I got the job so I started teaching and I was like my phone started vibrating like crazy so I took it out of my pocket and I just put it on the table and, or I put it away and it just kept vibrating like zzz, zzz, zzz. and that was like every time it vibrated it was someone texting me and so I was like uh, okay so I thought it was an emergency. So I picked, looked at my phone and my friend was like, I'm so proud of you. I just saw Instagram featured you. I was like, wait, what? And so went on Instagram, saw the feature, everything. They talked, all the stuff that I talked to him about, about um, like why I went back to Nigeria and what I was doing with the Timmy by Nigeria hashtag and all that stuff. They featured all of that. And in a matter of like a day, I went from like 3,000 to like 13,000. Gosh. And the next day I was like at maybe 18 or 20. And I think I peaked at around like 23 or so, 23 or 25. And yeah. And then the rest was just like, I don't know. I just kept working. I was doing weddings at the time as well. So I was really known for weddings as well. And yeah. And this was when like, so no, I reached like maybe 20. And then there's this thing called suggested user at the time. Instagram used to do that. Yeah. Um, so I I never thought I'd get suggested because I was like, you guys just featured me. It would be like cheating, quote unquote. Right. To like right. feature me and suggest me. Whereas some other people just got suggested and not featured. And so, um, yeah, I, I remember I was driving. I was driving to Houston for to do a photo shoot or a wedding. And... I got a DM from Instagram. It says, hey, we've put you on our suggested list. If you don't want to be on this list, please press no, uh, whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I want to be on the suggested list. Um, so yeah, so that got me from like 23 to maybe 30. And what suggested user at the time was, was that Instagram follows you for two weeks. And so what people do is people go and see who Instagram is following. Uh. And they follow that person in the hopes that Instagram would suggest them or sometimes we'll follow that person because they just like that person's work and this was that this was the time where if you make a new account like my name popped up type of thing and um yeah so that got me that and i just kept shooting working and um a lot of those at the time i realized were like bots yeah you know yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. the problem at the time was like well, you get all this big following and then your likes go up to like 2,000 for like two weeks and then it drops back down to like 500, you know? And so... Um, it's like while it looks like it's a whole lot, the percentage of actual is like yeah, pretty low. Yeah. And I remember when I first got suggested, all my friends that had already been suggested or featured, 
on Instagram, I DM'd them and I was texting them. I was like, hey, like, how do you make sure this doesn't get to your head? Kind of thing. Because I saw, I saw how it affected other people where they start to feel like there oh, was something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, I was something before the numbers. You know, it just took someone that really valued my work to see it and show it to the world. That's an know? interesting perspective. Yeah. I like that. And so I told people like, it takes one person to see your work and that could change your whole life. Yeah. One client, right? Right now, our most consistent client is Adobe. But now through that, we've gone to work with Skillshare, gone to work with Under Armour through my friend's agency. We've gone to work with Google, gone to work with Apple Music. And so it's just like all of these all of these things stem from that just one person that says, hey, I want to give Tim an opportunity to be an Adobe Creative Resident. You know, and I tell people like, even my followers right now, like it's not, it's high, which is awesome, but like only 5%, I would say, are the people that I really consider my tribe. Right. And there's tribe and there's followers, right? There was this, there was this girl, I forgot her name, I think it's Ari or something, 2 million followers, and she needed to sell 36 shirts in order to, start her pre-production for her shirt company and her shop. And she, she sold, she didn't even get up to like 15. I think I remember seeing something about that. Yeah. Didn't she like rip her followers a new one or something like yeah, that? Yeah, she like, went off and you, like, all of you. All you, of you think- blah, blah. And like, no, you just didn't understand your tribe and yeah. your followers. Yeah. You thought you had 2 million. You thought, oh, I can get 20,000 shirts ordered tonight. And it's like, no, no, you're out of you, touch. Yeah, you're out of touch. People just like you for the body pictures that you post. You know what I'm saying? Some people like you just because of your body, and some people like you because of how you think, what you do, the type of work that you do, the type of person that you are. And so it seems like for her, they just liked her body. And so she was seeing like a hundred thousand average likes, and she thought, "Oh, I like, got, oh wow, I got people following yeah, me. People really like me." Exactly. And so. Mm. So yeah, and I'm and I'm learning like I try not to get my hopes up. Like I just dropped the shirt last week. It didn't do as good as I thought it would. But I kinda I kinda saw that coming because the momentum I built at the time, which was like early uh June for the shirts. Cause I asked people like what kind of shirts do you want me to what kind of posters do you want me to put on my shirts? And I had like a mock-up of some of my posters on different shirts. People were going crazy, like four hundred or something comments. But then I launched the shirt in October because I had issues in the summer with the printer person trying to like figure out what was good as far as the shirt. And so now it's October and I was like, oh, let me drop this for Halloween. And it was cool. We did a nice shoot. We did a nice campaign and everything, but it didn't do that well. But for me, like one thing I always, I've always like done in my career was I took risks. And if I failed, I just saw it as a lesson, right? I didn't see it as failure. So even though I didn't sell as many shirts as I would have wanted to, I don't think like I failed. I think if anything, this is a learning opportunity. And I could stop now and say, oh, shirts is not for me. Right. But I'm not. I have another shirt that I'm going to drop sometime this month. And if that does well, which I really feel like it would, because now there's a story behind that. It's the 365 shirt and 365 has to do with like, creating every day which is how i got into the residency i started the project called a poster day so for every day i made a poster and i have like 365 but now i'm doing season two and so now i'm, I'm like on maybe day 70 or something and i haven't been as consistent as i would like to be but 
I'm going to make sure this time I also do another 365. And I want to turn into a book and have a volume one and volume two type of thing. Um, and pick my favorite posters from each one that I have the rights to use. Because <laughs> the, uh, the old one, like me doing it this second time is because I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to be able to get more, almost like a complete book of 365 pages or do different volumes. One is poster one to 99. The other one is 100 to 199. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of split it up a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. the other one I was using like Lupita. I was using like Kanye just because I just thought it was fun. And those went viral and they were good, but I can't print it, <laughs> you know? I mean, how much would it, I mean, how hard would it be to potentially try to get to get rights for those images? Because um, you're, you're using photos, right? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> like, I wonder if you were to hit up if I were whoever's hit- like agent and then be like, hey, look, yo, yeah. let me use this photo and I'll make some dope artwork for your next single. Right? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Because you know, yeah. right? I feel like the people that took it were like, Known published photographers. Uh, okay. Who are so like, it's less about the artist itself, but the photographer. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, the yeah, photographer, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. I mean, and it's plus being an artist, like being in that position. Like, you oh, yeah. Like for me, too. I'm like, oh, I don't know you. What are you going to do with my pictures? You know? Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. That um, makes sense. So, like, if I have an exhibition, like, I'll put it on the screen, but I'm not going to print it out. I ha- I've had people want to buy, and I'm like, um, no. So. So yeah, but so, um, so whenever you okay, so you had you're at the kind of went on a really long tangent. That's great. Sorry, yeah, uh, no, it's great. <laughs> what? Uh, so okay, so you had you were doing the residency, right? And mm-hmm. you said you were still teaching at the same time. Um, yeah, they allowed me to teach until May because May was the end of this the school year. So then, what? You're not teaching now, right? Mm-mm. So what's What's the story getting out of that and in the freelance to kind of like more full time? Yeah. So the Adobe residency started for me like April of last year. And then I taught until like June 4th, but I was still an Adobe resident. So I was still like kind of doing both. I was working two jobs, which was stressful. Um, And the residency just ended this past May. And, um, It was good. It was a lot of fun. I made some connections and all of that. Um, and now I had a choice of like, find a job or work for yourself. And previously when I was teaching, weddings brought in the most money. But now for a whole year, I've shot like five. I had a shot like five weddings. Like this year right now, I've only done two. I used to I used to be doing like 10 to 15. So you were doing, so I guess, were you shooting like a lot of weddings over the summer and the off season from school and then teaching or were you like- I was doing both. You're like, doing double, double yeah. up and doing so both. I was okay. teaching and then like, if there's a wedding on the weekend, then on Friday after work, fly out, come back Sunday night, go back to work Monday. And it got to a point even sometimes that I got so busy with wedding stuff, I was actually editing during my lunch break or when the wow, kids were working. that's wild. Yeah. Um, and so- and so, yeah, the residency just ended in May of this year. And I had a choice of like work for myself or work for somebody else. And I want to work for myself always. But the issue was, I was like, I haven't shot a wedding for a whole year. So I felt like I was only successful by shooting weddings. I didn't feel like I could get paid the amount I got paid for weddings doing design. And the joke was on me because <laughs> like that same month, Adobe uh, 
Adobe commissioned me to make three posters for them that they would use on all their ads. So they bought the rights to it and everything. And it was a lot. And I was like, whoa, is this life? You know? And so now that gave us a buffer for like a month and a half or two. And then we had some money saved from when I was an Adobe resident. So I was always saving money because I knew eventually if I want to work for myself, I need to have some type of buffer for a few months. So I did that. And then around the same time, I get with Under Armour, came through my friend's agency. That was a lot of fun. Did that. Then Apple Music came. And then um, a bunch of other work came in. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, for whatever reason, we were, we were afloat. We hadn't even t had to touch our savings, which is like a good sign. But I was also kind of like scared. I was like, man. I don't know. I, I know freelance is never always like this. So I'm over here waiting for like, when is it going to be like this? Right. And so far it's been like this and I'm still waiting. My friends are like, man, enjoy the wave, you know, cause I'm the kind of person that's always thinking about the future to like, yo, just enjoy the present right now. And it took a while and like talked to my pastor and stuff. And we we're going through Ecclesiastics and I was just talking about like, just enjoy life. You're going to die one day. Why not enjoy life yeah. right now? You yeah. know? And so I remember laying on the bed and I was like, man, thank you, God, for having the lights paid, our apart, our, uh, our house mortgage or rent paid. You know, I just sat down. I was like, because I was always in work mode, just working, working, never going to like sit back, sit back and just enjoy. Because I felt like if I was, uh, if I wasn't working, I was losing money type of thing yeah like I could be doing something right now yeah I could be There's making money like, or doing something right now yeah and I love what I do so why not do the thing that I love because I'm getting to do what I love all the time and I'm getting paid so why just sit here right but well, then it's like man you need to just rest and enjoy and it, for me it's like if I if I do a gig and let's say it's like four or five thousand like why can't I take two days off that month yeah to just you know whereas like I feel like oh five thousand okay cool now I need to get another yeah, six thousand. Oh, oh. I might not make it next month. What yeah. happens? You know, it's been great. What if it falls out? Exactly. You know, You're like so, that's what the buffer's for, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my wife always tells me. But I'm like, man, I don't want to use the buffer right now. You know, <laughs> I wanted to sit there until like there's a really really dry month where no one calls me. You know, to do any work. You know, <laughs> and and yeah, no, it's been it's been awesome. And even around that time, there were two job opportunities that could have worked at. But um, the first one, I turned it down. The second one, I didn't get it. It was between me and somebody else. Um, but in hindsight now, I'm kind of, kind of like, there was kind of like a relief that I didn't get it. Because mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, I didn't know if I would like really have enjoyed it as much as I thought I would. Um, and so now I'm just still freelancing. Um, it's been awesome. We've gotten some... Um, Client work, we're going to some contract contract work, which has been good. Um, contract meaning like retainer, or like yeah, retainer, more like longer term. Yeah, kind of, like or? right now I'm I'm with Essence Magazine until December, but I mean I'm working on their December stuff today, and so the I'm I've made work for them from uh, for September to December issues, and so that ends today. So okay, I get the rest um, coming soon. So yeah. what? Uh I mean, when it comes to like pricing stuff out, 
and knowing what to charge. What, how do you figure that stuff out or handle that? I'm still learning, man. But I also have a community of friends that I just pick brains and we just talk things out because they don't even know sometimes as well. Yeah. So they help me think it through like, okay, if if a client says they want to um, use your image for social media, how much are you going to charge? You know, and it's like, okay, my friends made me think like, okay, so how long are they going to use it for? Are they using are they using it for social media ads or are they just using it to post? Right? Because there's that gray line. Yeah. They use a social media ad and it brings them more money and you and you charge them five hundred and they it brings in like twenty grand for them, then it's worth a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth a bit more than yeah. that. Yeah. Um so yeah, i I've I've looked online, I I talked to friends on Twitter, um, but I feel like on in the freelancing community we need to talk more about money i think people are just scared that someone's gonna charge the same price and i'm like is i'm like if someone tells me how much they charge i'm going to gauge that price that they mentioned based on the skills that i have right so if someone has been freelancing for 15 years and they charge twenty thousand dollars for to license one image and i know i've been freelancing for like (laughs) six months full time (laughs) You know, uh, and I've only been a graphic designer for like four years. I don't think I'll have that clout to be able to be charging that much. Yeah. Right. So based on that, now I'm like, okay, well, 15 years and it's charging 20,000. So I've been on four years. Maybe I could do four or five maybe. But then I also need to know, is this going to be print ad or is it going to be social media ad or is it going to be both? And then you have to figure out how many years do you want to use it for? And then you also have to figure out, do they want to buy out the copyright to it? If they buy that out, what does that mean for you? Does that mean now you can't go about saying, oh yeah, this is my work. I did this. Can't. So do you have like a, because I mean, this is, this is the same struggle that I find myself mm-hmm. in a lot of times when it comes to like licensing stuff. And I mean, do you have sort of a, like a process that you go through to like, finally figure out what that dollar amount is going to be or do you kind of just take stuff into like take a look at every at like all the different angles and ask a bunch of questions and then kind of like figure out in your head what you think it's worth to them and do that or I mean what's yeah sometimes I I feel like I feel like a lot of times when we price we price based on like oh how long is it going to take which is wrong because if you think about it, you have spent these many years to just gain this skill. Just to be able to do that. Just to be able yeah. to do that. So for me, I'm charging for the past. I'm not charging. Like, like I remember I was charging a lot for this, this, this assignment that I had, and I did it in an hour. And it's none of their business to know that I did it in an hour. All you need to know is that it took me this long to learn the skill. That's what you're paying me for. You're not paying me for that hour. You're paying me for everything. I forgot, I forgot who, what story this was about, but he was a, he was an artist and was it Picasso? I don't know. But he had to, he, someone asked him to draw something. So he drew, drew it on a napkin and the person that he drew it for, the person was trying to take it. He was like, no, it's like, um, this costs money. And it was like, how much? And he gave him the amount. And the person and the person was like, "You just you just drew this in five minutes." Say, "Yeah, but I've been, but it took me fifty plus years to get to this point." And so that changed my mindset. Like, 
now I'm not charging on, oh, this graphic design is going to take two hours. It's like, no. All, all of that practice that it took me, all of that failure and all of those times. Because you remember, think about like to get good at something, 10,000 hours. Right? Yeah. To really like master something. <laughs> to really like master say, something. 10,000 hours yeah. is a lot of time. It's a lot of time. I think someone said it's like, I forgot, maybe like five years of doing something every day. And we don't always do it every day. So it might be longer than that for some of us. But yeah. It's like, and that's, that's kind of how I approach it. My friends have started to approach it that way. Because, yeah, it, like if I do a shoot and it takes me 30 minutes to edit, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It took me f four hours to get to that, I mean, four years to get to that point yeah, to be able to Yeah, because it used to take us that short yeah, amount of time to edit. it used to, to take edit. us months, days, you know? And to even get close. Yeah, and to, to even, get even close. Not even be in the ballpark of yeah. where it is. And yeah, even yeah, develop yeah. all those presets and stuff. Yep. You know? So like if we... If someone has, if, if someone is like, cause I think we shoot ourselves in the foot when we say, oh, it's going to take me two hours to do this. So I'm, I charge $150 an hour, blah, blah, blah. Now people want like a time thing, give them a time thing, but just make sure your rate per hour is as high as you believe it should be. Yeah. Right. So they'll be like, oh, it's, it's only five hours. You said a hundred dollars each. So it's 500. But if you're confident in your skills and you're like, look. The stuff I could do in the hour is worth two fifty an hour for this video editing or design stuff. Then you say I'm gonna charge two fifty an hour, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what about whenever you're doing? Like, do you do contracts with projects? Do I do contracts with projects? Or with your client? I mean, obviously, if you're on a retainer or something like that, you'll yeah. have sort of like a contract. Yeah, with that. I always, I always do contracts. But what I want to start doing my contract now is like adding late fees. Because mm -hmm. all this net 30, net 45, it's cool. It's, it's, it's okay. But if you do a net 45 and you pay me at on day 60, there needs to be some yeah. repercussions. You've had some plenty of time. You've yeah. known. You came into this project. And the thing is like they, they, get, they get the stuff and we yeah. have to sit here and wait. Like I've already paid 100% of this. Right. Do you do like half down up front or anything like that? Or I, need to, I probably need to start doing that or trying to negotiate that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like it's just, it's just crazy. Cause for us, it's like, we're in a better spot because we're like a month or two ahead. So if I do a gig this month, I know that I'll get the money next month, which would take care of December or January. Right. Whereas some people, I feel like if you're a freelancer, you literally cannot afford, if you're working with companies, you can't afford to um, do the work in October and hope that you get paid in October to take care of your bills in October. Yeah. That, it, that doesn't work. That doesn't, yeah, that does not work. <laughs> it that's, does not that's, work. If that's your approach in freelancing, Yeah, good try work. something else. You're going to be doing a whole lot of get, small, tiny gigs yeah. for clients Family that portraits. are like frustrating, yeah. is my experience. Yeah. Because it means that people don't, typically it means that the clients don't understand why things cost more. They don't mm -hmm. value the work as much mm -hmm. and they don't think as far down the road. And so everything's quick and right now. Right. And then you're going to find yourself stressed and not even able to enjoy that month because yeah. now you're trying to like, yeah. 
Yeah. Try to fit it one more little gig in. Yeah, try to get a couple more dollars out of it. And then now you're starting to flash still on your on your Instagram. And, you know, yeah, I, I just... Because right now, a lot of people are glamorizing, like, the idea of freelancing. And I'm realizing, like, yo, it's a whole nother beast. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me yeah, wrong. It's, it's, it's nice. dope in a lot of ways. But, but pe- it is people, not in like, a lot of ways. don't save. They quit their job and they say you want to go freelancing. That's what I'm talking about. Like... For me, before we freelanced, I had a whole year and I was able to see the pattern in how much we spent, how much we could save. We could have saved more, but I was using a lot of that money to pay off my wife's car. And now we can, we can pay it off now if we want to, but now, I mean, right now it's only going to take like six months to finish it. You know, whereas we could have saved all that money, but now we'd have to like pay, pay her car payments for like another two, two three years. Yeah, so you're just kind of like balancing, kind of yeah, figuring, balancing, out, figuring your, your balance between Knowing them. your numbers is like key. So if you if you say, if you live off of $3,000, right, and you decide to freelance and you're paying yourself 50% of whatever gigs you do, then you need to bring in $6,000 every month to be able to meet your needs, right? And if you're trying to save, you need to bring a little bit over $6,000 so you can pay yourself $3,000 plus whatever else you want to pay yourself to save. So know your numbers is so key because if not, then one one day a big gig comes and you you have like, they pay you $20,000 and then you pay yourself $10,000 and then you try to live off of $10,000 for that month. Whereas that $10,000, if you're living off of $3,000, could last you three months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So knowing your numbers is like key. And I feel like a lot of people don't even pay attention to that. And they just glamorize like, oh, I can work for myself. And then they quit the job. And they're like, man. Oh, they think shit. because it's possible for them to have a whole lot of jobs that they will have right. a whole lot of jobs potentially. That's and, a potential it's like, and it's not the case. Even some of my favorite people, they have dry months. And so they mm-hmm. also try to save throughout the year. Did you, I mean, did you... Do you or your wife have a background in accounting or like finance or anything like that or business or what kind of spurred you to think that way? Because I feel like it's not a typical mindset in my experience of artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love numbers. Okay. And coming from Nigeria and just seeing how our family kind of struggled to like make ends meet in certain aspects as far as money and getting a job and all this stuff. Like it made me really want to learn so that I won't be in, put my family in that position. Mm. My parents did the best they could, you know, coming from Africa and then coming to America and then trying to find a job and um, having a green card and all of this stuff and then having to take out credit cards to make ends meet. Like, it'll take a toll on you. Yeah, I mean, especially think, you mentioned Nigeria is like scarce on resources, right? Yeah. As it is, so you come, I guess you probably come from more of a mental place of, I guess, like scarcity. Yeah. Or I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but basically it's so that it's like me, maybe is it that whenever uh, you have the resources, you want to be like more frugal with them or just. Yeah. Be, be, being more. And for me, it's, it's more of a biblical principle um, because everything that I have and our family has, God gave it to us. And now it's all about, it's all a question of like, how do you steward it well? Right. Yeah. So it's like, I have all this money. How can I be a good steward of the, things that God has given me and the gift. And so that's kind of like the engine behind all of that stuff. But I also like numbers and budgeting. I use this thing called, you need the budget. Yeah, buddy. Why not? Yeah. Use it too? Yes, yeah, sir. Hey. Um, yeah, it's been a game changer. 
And then I read this book called Profit First. And so I use Why Not for my business as well. Do you have two separate ones or do you just mm -hmm. roll everything? Okay. I do I have two separate ones. Yeah. And so every Monday is Finance Monday. So hey, around, me too. Yeah. So around 12 o'clock, I have it on my, on my um, Google Calendar. I just sit down and I do the finances, do QuickBooks, chase invoices. <laughs> um, and... And yeah, so, and it's helped our family. Um, my wife and I, like, we get in arguments sometimes because I'm like very frugal to the point of like, why did, what was this $5 spent on type of thing? Because why that <laughs> makes you like, everything needs You're to be in a place, yep, yep. you know? And, but she thought I was like micromanaging. And I, I know I could in some sense, because I was like very just, when we first got married, I was very frugal because that's how it was with, my finances. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how my wife viewed finances and the history she had behind that and how to make sure to communicate the importance of um, finances to her in a way that was not like demeaning um, or stuff like that. Because we both came from different backgrounds, you know? So, um, so yeah, like we didn't have, we didn't have much. So when I had a lot, I was like, I need to figure out how to make this last. And my wife is like, love to travel and all this stuff. And so now for me, it's like, okay, she loves to travel and do all this stuff. Maybe I should start saving for both of us to do that stuff together. So that's like the happy medium mm -hmm. for both of us. Like her birthday is this week and like she doesn't know this yet, but like for the past three, four months in our business account, I put 3% of what we make into this little thing that we're going to use for fun. And so now this is like the start of another quarter. So I'm taking the money out, took it out already. And um, we're going to use it for a birthday. And it's a lot, you know. And so she's talked about like, oh, I need to got, I need to buy winter clothes and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, dang, we didn't save up for it. But we really did. You know? <laughs> and she doesn't look at the budget often. So I, it's like hiding in plain sight, you know? That's awesome, man. So, what, so you mentioned you do budget stuff on Monday. Do you kind of, how do you manage your time? I'm still learning. Man. Do you, do you have like segmented days for different things or how do you, because like one of the things that I noticed I had a hard time with a few years back was separating out, um, different types of tasks kind of, right? So then I found that there were more remedial tasks like balancing the books, responding to emails, chasing down invoices, mm -hmm. these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Like those are very different thought processes and mental spaces compared to editing a video yeah. or trying to like cull through an interview or yeah. designing something. Yeah, And so- I got to where I kind of split up to where I have some days that are all for like one type of headspace. And then, so then I have other days that are all like this other type of headspace mm. to where I feel like I'm more efficient. Yeah. Do you do anything like that or have any set specifics? Not, not really. I, and I need to, cause, sorry. And I need to, cause I felt like I, was everywhere. And I felt like every day I was responding to emails and then I had to figure out how to take that energy from responding to emails and now start designing. Um, but it just, it just ranges. Cause some days I have like today I have something due as a design job and I don't feel like doing design today, but I got to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, whereas like I could say Tuesday could be design days, but then 
what if something is due on Monday, you know? And so, um, but no, I think, I think your idea is really good and I might have to implement it. I know I do it for finances on Monday, but then even Monday it's like administrative administration day where I do like, um, I do YNAB and then I do QuickBooks and then I do emails and stuff. And that's about it. Um, but now today I have to like do other design stuff. I have to return stuff and I'm like, ah. but yeah, I think Mondays, Mondays could be that day um, where I do that stuff. But I just feel like sometimes it doesn't take that long. It could take me like three hours or less. Yeah, I'm I just like, get it knocked out real quick. And then I'm like, what do I do now if it's administrative day? Do I just like, I mean, now I could actually use that energy to go work on website stuff and make another PDF that we can start sending to like different agents and all of this stuff. So yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to take your offer on that. Okay. Yeah. We could talk about it. See how it goes. Yeah. What, uh, when it comes to dealing with taxes and filing and like all the legal, like any of that stuff, how do you handle that stuff? Yeah. Um, so the book called profit first says that you should break up your business in four Different categories. Is it four? Yeah. So taxes, operating expenses, self-pay, and then profit. And then you get to pick the percentage for each of those. So profit, he says every quarter you take that out and you use it for something fun. You don't use it to pay bills. You don't use it to do anything. It's almost like a pat on your back for working for the past three months, which I really like. It's been really awesome. Um... And then taxes, I used to do 25%, but my CPA was like, that's kind of high. You should just do 20%. So this year I've been doing 20%. Um, and then self-pay for us is 50%. So every gig we get, we take any income that we get, we take 50% out of that. And then um, operating expenses is 27%. And then um, our profit is 3%. But we can change it however many times we want to, whatever percentage we want. But this we found to be the most realistic for us in this time. Whereas some of the people who are making $100,000 every three, four months can pay themselves like 70% self-pay. So they're getting 70000 right? For us, it's like, uh, we're not there yet. We still have like some operating expenses. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we're keeping there. And so like now... Being part of Waxspace, like I have a line on YNAB that says Waxspace. So whenever I get money coming into the business expenses, I put, I try to put like 200 or 400 in. So now I know I'm good with Waxspace for the next two months. And so, um, but yeah, with taxes, 20% have a CPA. QuickBooks, I just started using it this year. My CPA has an account. Uh, you can, can have your CPA log in to your um, thing. And so I have all my stuff in the right categories. I just put them in the right ones. And um, when it's uh, January, when it's time for her to look, she just logs into QuickBooks, pulls, uh, prints out a sheet or two sheets. One has like your profit and your loss. One has like all the categories and how much you spend and all this stuff. And then she does, she does the taxes. And then um, you figure out how much you have to pay. And then um, like last year, I think we had to pay like 
3,000 or something. But we had a whole bunch more saved. So I was like, what do we do with this many money? She's like, you can invest it back into your business or you can pay yourself an end of the year bonus. And I was like, I'm going to take the end of the year bonus. I yeah, baby, money. let's go. <laughs> yeah. And I put it on my wife's car. I was like, boom, put majority of it. And, um, and yeah, so I hope the same thing happens this year. Um, if you're doing it right, that's you might not even have to pay anything at all. And so, like, even our office space now, that's that can be deductible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if me and my wife go out to eat and we talk business and we pay with our business card, 50% of that is deductible. You know, and so now I'm, I'm thinking about getting into an S Corp because we made much more than I thought we would make this Are year. Are you just sole proprietor right now? No, we're, what's your... we're uh, LLC. Okay. Coker Studio LLC. Okay. Yeah. But she said, if you have a, if you have an S Corp, the tax bracket is yep. lower and you don't have to pay as much. And I don't know how that works, but I want to talk to her about it. She told me to call her in the summer, but we hadn't made as much in the summer. And then like this fall, things was just picking up like crazy and so now i feel like i have to call and be like hey i made we made much more than uh, i thought oh no we made too much (laughs) money that's literally oops yeah (laughs) we're too good yeah so (laughs) i'm like i'm hoping you know if freelancing is the goal for next year that hopefully um we make more because what we made this year is double what i made last year but granted last year i was still working with adobe so i couldn't do a lot of freelance gigs is Um, it just like because of time yeah, because of time. Yeah, it took a lot of your time. I was going to say, surely they don't have you and then like a non-compete or anything like that. That'd be... Uh, well, for some stuff. So like I became, uh, I got approached by Sony to be a Sony um, Alpha Collective member. And one of the things in the contract says that Sony could license my images. But with the Adobe Creative Residency, Adobe Creative Residency has the right to use um, my, I still own the rights. So they, but they get to use it for like ads right. because you're part of the program. That's kind of part of it. So that, that way they can get your name out there and all of that stuff. And they're already paying you enough. Like this was the biggest paycheck I ever had in my life. So did you, did Adobe have exclusivity of your images then for like the time being or something? Yeah. Something like that. Or is um, it just like a non-compete within like, like a, what do they call that? I forget, but basically like. Nobody else in the same industry can use those images or something like that. Like exclusive images kind of within the industry. Yeah, I think it was kind of both. Um, Cause like Sony was using images in Adobe Lightroom and Adobe Photoshop, they use images. So it was kind of like, sh- we had to have a meeting with my manager and Sony people to just figure out like, is that okay? Or what are the parameters and whatnot? Because if Sony wanted to license one of my images and Adobe wanted to license the same image, now this is a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it so can be a yep. big problem. Luckily that didn't happen. There was nothing like that. Um, and I mean, Sony just felt like anything. I, I mean, any video I was in with Adobe, I had my Sony camera, like even the Adobe Creative Residency, like I had the camera facing them and taking pictures and all of that stuff. So like Sony was still part of um, kind of getting exposure as well which I don't feel like they need, but right. Yeah. For, for just for anybody that may be wondering why can't they both use the same image reason being kind of that, that whenever your images are licensed or used a lot of it, it's, it's to help build the brand mm-hmm. and kind of portray the image of that brand. And so much like a branding mark, 
um, where it can become recognized as a part of that brand. Images can also become recognized as part of a brand. Right. And if you have two brands, especially big brands like Adobe and Sony, both using the same image, then you can start running into uh, what is called like brand confusion, where there's a potential for somebody to see the image and see the advertisement and not know if it's being Adobe or Sony that's being right. advertised. And if Adobe is paying for that image and for the ad space, they damn well want to know that if people see that image, Adobe is the only company they're going to think of. Exactly. Yeah. It's part of the branding thing and not to, and they do that so that people don't get confused. Yeah. You know? I mean, and sometimes you'll have stuff where you, it might be like exclusivity within industry. Mm -hmm. And so like maybe there's an image that, because Sony and Adobe are so similar in industry, um, they are not exactly competitors, but they overlap a lot in the same space. Yeah. Um, and so you wouldn't, they, they would want, ex so exclusive ex exclusivity within industry would mean that like another similar like imaging type company probably wouldn't be able to use the image. But yeah. there is a possibility that maybe like a fitness company right. or a medical company right. or a food company might have access to the same image that, that Adobe does because they're not even like on the same on the radar. Same, exactly. Yeah. And it's been like, it's been good. Um, cause like even now with Sony, like I can't, I can't do any gigs with Canon or Fuji or Leica or Hasselblad. Like I just can't. That's, they're direct competitors, cameras. Period. Do you have some sort of agreement or like contract with Sony? Yeah. Are you doing work with them? Mm -hmm. Are you, what would, what do you mean? What do you call it? Are you like an endorsed? Are you an ambassador? Are it's kind of like an like ambassador, uh, but I don't really like calling it that because it's more like we're, we're a family. And, yeah. yeah. Um, like Sony has given me opportunities to do two workshops now and I got paid for it. And it wasn't like uh, they're using you or whatever. Right. Um, but because the, you were already using Sony before they started. Yeah, doing I was. That. I was using Sony for four years before this, um, and it was just like interesting to see that they were supporting, and like I don't have never seen any other camera people do this. Like they were here in Dallas, they had a meetup, and I got to come and help and talk to people and like give advice and all of that stuff, and it was just awesome and. Um, I helped them find the space and I got, um, um, they brought the Sony a seven Mark four and all of the Ooh. lenses. People got to rent them out for free and just shoot. Just crazy. You, I, I've never seen Canon Fuji. Nah. No one do that type of stuff. And mm -hmm. they do it in different cities. So now I think they're going to new Orleans later this month. Before that they were in Charlotte. And then they also do a lot in New York. Now they have their own events coming up in New York, I think uh, October 25th or something. And um, yeah, they just care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they care about people and us being um, collective members, like we get perks included with that. And then we also, I mean, the only thing is like you post every month a picture that you take with your Sony camera, which... I mean, you're going to be it, you, shooting exactly, and posting all the time. So exactly. it's not so it's like, like a... Because she was like, the only thing we require of you is just to blah, blah, blah. And I was like... You're like, so do the thing that I'm doing? Yeah. All right, okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> and they have competitions every couple of months where you can get like your images either licensed or just win the competition and get like a thousand or two thousand dollars. Just for that. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Do you... So what's the work that you're getting? Are you... Um, 
how are you procuring the work? Are you going out and getting it? Is it coming to you? Do you have an agent? Yeah, a, a lot of them are coming to me. Um, but I do have a PDF that I try to send to like different agencies here. And um, some have brought back like some interest. Like right now, I, I didn't send anything to this agency, but they are in Virginia and they just said, hey, we love you. We love y'all's work. We'd love to see if, you, if you're interested in like um, freelance work or full-time graphic design work. And I was like, oh, well, I'm interested to hear more about your free time, your freelance gig or whatever. And she said, okay, I'm going to talk to the creative director and I'll get back to you. Like that's something that just randomly came into the email. Um, whereas we've done some where we, we made like a deck and pitched it to a new company here and we did the work for free just so that we can start getting um, that type of work in our portfolio. So we did like two restaurant type of work because my wife loves that stuff. And so we want to be able to cater to people like that. And um, yeah, we're still in the phase of like, is Coker Studio like a, are we going to turn into an agency or is it going to be like a creative house where it's not really an agency? We just do graphic design, photography, art direction. And we can also put, use all of those in like working with restaurants, working with brands, working with artists. Cause right now that's kind of what it's looking like. And so we're still trying to figure what that looks like. Cause she has work that's kind of different from mine. I have work that's kind of different from hers. And I don't want to get to a space where Coker Studio is all about Tammy Coker. Cause that was not the point of right. it. I don't want to be the face of it. I want it to be me and my wife. But a lot of the work that's been coming in right now, I've been a lot of graphic design stuff. Some have been photography and I've tried to have my wife man that. Cause I'm very cognizant and I don't want it to be a situation where when people think of Coker Studio, they think of me. I want to be like Coker Studio, Tammy and Afrotina. Yeah. And so trying to do a better job, still learning, failing. Me and my wife are still discussing about that stuff. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, a lot of the gigs come from word of mouth, come from Instagram. A lot of them come from like people who have just heard about me or seen my work um, or seen my wife's work. I've had some people DM us and say, oh, you know, hey, I want to do a album cover photo shoot and I want opportunity to shoot it. And I want to see if you can add some graphic design elements to the cover or whatever. And so me and my wife getting to do that stuff would be fun. So we want to get to a space where we're both like working together or that people will come to Coker Studio and they won't think Tamey or Afrotina. They'll be like, They think Coker Studio. Yeah, they just think Coker like, Studio. Yeah, and we yeah. just, I show up or she shows up, you know. And I'm trying to get her into, into design so she can be like, help me out. But design <laughs> takes a while and I know that means like, it's going to take another like, three years yeah. to get to where I'm at. So, uh, oh, something else I was going to ask you. Oh, um, with school, like in hindsight, having gone through school, mm -hmm. if you could go back, would you go through it again? Or would you teach yourself or take an alternate route? such as like Skillshare courses or YouTube university or it's a good question. It's hard to say because like I came out of school with student loans and I hated that stuff, but I paid it off. I moved back home. 
when I got my job, I was dropping like a lot of money into because I just don't like that idea of debt. Now, when it comes to credit card, I make sure I have the money. Why not make sure? Why mm. not make sure that you have the money? It'll let you know if yeah, you don't. Exactly. So I make sure I have the money, and then I pay it off at the end of the month or the first of the next month. Um, but I tell people this: go to a community college for two years, then go to college. Your student loans would be less than it would be if you went to college for if you went to a four-year college. Secondly, if you decide to not do that, then you need to be smart and start trying to figure out how to make money or grow your skills fast enough and get those clients. Like when I was teaching in high school, I taught my students how, they use YNAB. We had a project where they had to use YNAB. We had classroom money. I was like, this is how you run the business. You have $500. I want you to multiply this. So you were teaching the kids business side as well. Oh yeah. Oh, that's wonderful, man. I never wanted that's to. That's wonderful. I, I've, I've never wanted to just teach them like, hey, take pictures. We did contracts. We did mock-up contracts where, well, mock-up client meetings. So the kids come to the front. I'm the client. They're there. And we have the contract and I'm looking through and I'm reading all this stuff and I'm asking questions and I'm getting their response and I give feedback based off of that. Because I asked them, I was like, oh, can I, can I buy um, the rights to these images and use them from ads? You know, and they're like, um, sure. I'm like, no, you're, you're supposed to charge for that. You know what I'm saying? And just making them think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And then with YNAB, we had a project that was so much fun. Um, they, had, they had fake money, they had Monopoly money. And then the kids had to like hire other other kids in the class to do a photo shoot and build their business. Some kids were smart enough to join their business together. And one kid joined like another kid that was broke because that was his friend. He was like, oh, I want to help my friend out. And then both of them ended up being broke. You know? <laughs> so it was like this kind of lesson thing that they got to learn. There were some that were able to multiply their money. Um, and then every like, the class was three hours. So every hour I had them pick something out of like a basket and it was a life thing. So we say, oh, your leg just broke. You have to pay $500. Or, hey, your camera broke. You have to get it fixed for $150. And so, or, hey, you just, you just want a photo uh, photography context. Here's $1,000. You know, it's just like to teach them like life happens and you need to make sure that you are trying to be ahead of that or save up or whatever. Like, one kid got something it was like negative 500 and they had $200 left. And I was like, well, I need, I need the money, you know? And so I was like, or you can go and try to find how to get the money to pay this off. Cause right now you're in debt. You know, and this was like, this ran for like three weeks and it was just so much fun to just see them. Like the kids were hustling, man, you know? And I was Gosh, like, this is, this is cool. what you need out in the world, you know? And so that's like, exactly what um i wanted them to learn and what like i try to do because you just you just have to mm -hmm. you know you can't sit down and just hope for work to come did you it'll, it'll come but you know you also have to go out there as well yeah did you so when you were in college did you did they have any classes or anything that taught more of the, like, the business side of stuff or is it mostly all it's mostly all doing, doing, doing. Yeah. yeah. I had to learn this the hard way. 
That seems to be the same story that like almost everybody that I talk to. Yeah. I I always tell people like take a business class as a, or major in photography, minor in business. I don't feel like you have to major in photography. I feel like that's a cop out, but cause yeah, cause (laughs) like the teachers, some of the teachers, they based, uh, they based like what they like off of like, if, off of like their own experience. Like subjective. Yeah, very like their, subjective. Their viewpoints, the way yeah. they see the world, the way they, their, their preferences. Yeah, so when I was teaching, I, I was like, hey guys, I want you guys to use these rules, but be creative. And so for me, I graded them based on like, did you use these rules? Did you, did you use composition? Did you edit well? Did you use the right, um, did you use the right lens and all of that stuff? And then when it came to creativity, when it came to creativity, I also like asking like, what were you thinking when you did this and grade them on that? But it was never like, cause some of them were emo, like that's what they liked, you know? And who am I to tell them like, Hey, that's too dark. You know, if that's your style, that's your style. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just cared about them using the right things to make all of this come to just life. To teach the, like the principles. Yeah. Teach the principles. That's and, cool, man. And, let them let them soar Dude, thanks for coming on today thank you for um, me. before we wrap up is there any like last things that you would like to share that i haven't talked about or ask you about things you think might be important for anybody to know yeah i think one of the biggest things that i live by, live by is that your superpower is you and so everything that you like want to do like do it you know be smart about it, of course, like plan ahead and all of that stuff. But I'll, I'll, I only say that because like in my creative career, I was comparing myself to a lot of people and it got to a point where it was stifling my growth. And so now people ask me like, tell me, why do you give everyone your secrets? And I'm like, at the end of the day, they're not me. We can have the same tools, but I'm me. I'm the only Tammy that has ever I'm the only Tammy Coker that has ever Tammy Coker the work, you know, like, yeah. like that's what I tell people. Like I have people that try to imitate me. That's fine. They're not me, you know, and some of them get credit. Cool. Some of them don't. That's fine. They're not me. You know, I gather inspiration from different sources and then try to put them together and put my spice and sauce on it and try to make something new out of it. Cause there's nothing. And when I say something new, I'm just, Pretty much just talking about like combining all different stuff that were not combined together before um, in that way, at least. And um, yeah, because my shape stuff was inspired by 3D objects. This guy did a big photo shoot and he had um, objects like 3D objects that he printed and put on the person. And I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. And then I was like, man, I have to teach a class on photography and graphic design and graphic design. Some of the elements are shapes and color, composition, all of that stuff. So I started doing that into my portraits, but now I realized, dang, my portraits need to be black and white so the color can be the focus. And so I started adding that. And then I was like, oh, I, I like this brain texture thing. And then I figured out, my friend taught me how to make it. And I started putting down my work and that's kind of like my signature stuff now. And so it's just like, at the end of the day, my superpower is me. I can show people how I do all my stuff. By the end of the day, I am the only Tammy Coker that is every Tammy Coker to work. And so it makes me free. It makes me just 
not think too much. And at the end of the day, my journey is different from everybody else. So don't compare your, your beginning to someone else's middle. Because you never know what they went through. So Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Dude, where can people find you and your wife's work online? Yeah, my wife is at Afritina, A-F-R-I-T-I-N-A. I love her name so much. <laughs> um, and mine is at T-E-M-I, M as in monkey, I dot C-O-K-E-R. And our company is at Coker Studio. Cool, man. Yes, sir. Sweet. Well, I will put links to that stuff also in the show notes that you can find on iTunes or Stitcher or on vkc.com slash freelance Friday, anywhere you find this podcast. If you find Tammy or any of our other guest stories compelling, uh, would you please go leave a rating and a review? Uh, it really helps us to know what kind of stuff are helpful for you and what you find the most valuable. And, you know, like Tammy talked about having that community kind of built, really this show is not about me. Um, and, and it is on some level about the freelancers we bring on, but really it's about the listeners and what value and educational things we can bring to you. Mm -hmm. And so uh, having that feedback really helps us know if we're hitting the mark or what we can do to better serve you. Um, and then uh, sharing this also helps just to help other people out there that are looking for this kind of educational content to be able to find it. So thanks so much for your help with that. And uh, we'll see you next time. Freelance Friday is a VKC production. VKC is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. VKC, big production value, freelance agility and scale.